Welcome to episode 53 of Lakeshore Christian Church's Midweek Video Podcast. I'm Pastor Randy Cordell. We're coming to you live from our studio at our Antioch campus here in beautiful Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you for joining us today. If you haven't already done so, we'd love for you to hit that subscribe button. And you may want to hit that notification bell as well when you get notified every time we post a new episode. We come to you live on Wednesdays at noon, but uh, then it's posted and you can listen to it anytime after that on most popular podcast platforms. Each week on the podcast, we review the message from the previous week here at Lakeshore Christian Church, and we preview the upcoming message for the next week. We just this past Sunday started a brand new message series called What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And we looked at, uh, in the series, we're going to be looking at different encounters that Jesus had while he was here uh, in his earthly ministry. He had encounters with people that were facing different situations in life, challenges or, or hard things that they were going through, and how he responded to those people as a friend. And we can learn a lot then about what it means to be have Jesus as a friend, and in order to be a friend of Jesus, how, how we need to have that relationship with him. I started the series with, uh, with some qualifiers for this kind of relationship with Jesus that we find in Scripture. Uh, one of those qualifiers is found in the book of James, chapter 4. He says this, Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. So that's a starting point. You can't be friends with the world and friends with God at the same time. Now, that, that phrase, friends with the world, just means that you put the world ahead of God. You put what the world says or does or the influence of the world ahead of what God says. Uh, but being a friend of God means that even if the world says something contrary to God, God has the higher role of authority in your life. So it begins there with that relationship with God. But then Jesus talked about another part of that relationship in John 15 and verse 14. He said this, you are my friends if you do what I command. So that, that goes a little more specific than, than what James was saying. Uh, Jesus is saying it's, it's directly connected. This friendship relationship with him is directly connected with our willingness to hear him teach and lead and be willing to follow that teaching and that leading in our lives. If we're friends with Jesus, we will welcome that into our lives. And so we, we see that example lived out in these uh, episodes from the Gospel of Luke that we're going through in this series. We start with Luke chapter 7 and verse 1 with an encounter that Jesus has with a centurion who is a Roman soldier. A centurion would be a soldier in, who had some level of authority in the Roman army. He would have a hundred soldiers or more under his command, and he would be highly respected uh, among his people. Uh, so this soldier has a servant that is ill, seriously ill, to the point uh, that he knows this servant is going to die unless there is an intervention that he believes Jesus could be the one who could do this for him to heal his servant. And this Roman soldier uh, has the, um, the willingness to approach Jesus, not personally, he didn't go himself, but he sent Jewish leaders to go to Jesus on his behalf, which is really... In his mind, he thought this was a, a proper way, a, a good way to show humility and still make this request of Jesus. But he wanted it to come from someone that he felt like would have uh, a better uh, approach to Jesus, a better relationship maybe with Jesus. So he asked Jewish leaders to go on his behalf 
to talk to Jesus. And these Jewish leaders came to Jesus and said, uh, we want you to help out this man because of a, of a special relationship they had with him. He said he loves our nation. They said he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So not only is this Roman soldier uh, someone who's respected by his own people, he has the respect of the Jewish people there in Capernaum as well because he is the one who evidently funded the building of the synagogue there. Now, the synagogue uh, for the Jews and those communities like that would have been much like a local church building. It was a building that they built that they would meet together for worship there. They would do other things there as well. But, but on Saturdays, on the Sabbath, that's where they would go for their times of worship. And so this, this soldier uh, evidently had enough of a belief in God or a good relationship with the Jewish people there in the community where he lived that he had uh, been responsible for getting that synagogue built for them. So in the mind of these Jewish leaders, that would, that would mean in their mind, well, Jesus, you ought to do this guy this favor because he is, he's helped us so much. He's such, been such a blessing to us, to God's people here in this town. Uh, so he, they go to him and they say, Jesus, please do this for our friend who has done this for us. When Jesus heard about this, uh, let's just read a little bit of it here in Luke 7. I'm going to pick up here again in verse 1. It says, when Jesus finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. And that's where they ended up saying to Jesus, this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. We learn a lot about this centurion just from the words that are used to describe this interaction here. Um, it says that he was someone who really cared about his servant, and that wasn't always the norm. The word used for servant in this passage uh, means a bond servant, or sometimes it's translated slave. Uh, and they had a system set up where if someone were to be indebted to someone that they could not pay the debt, sometimes the the way they would resolve that would be to go uh, serve them as a slave for them to pay off the debt that you owed. Uh, and when you entered into that uh, bond servant position, that bond servant role, you lost all rights as a citizen. And so you were at the mercy of whoever had you in their service. So some of them, many of them abused that and were mistreated their servants and their slaves in terrible ways. Um, slavery has been around throughout the history of, of the human race, and it's an awful thing. It can so easily be abused, and people are so often mistreated, and, and uh, injustices are done over and over again uh, when people are in a system like that. And that's a system that was uh, very much prevalent at this time with Rome ruling the world and, and, and Rome in charge of, of the Jews who lived in that part of the world. Uh, they, they had no ability to fight against this once they were enslaved as bond servants they had no recourse and so their masters could abuse them could even kill them without fear of retribution in most cases so this was unusual for a roman centurion to have that kind of compassion for one of his servants and it speaks highly of the of the care of the heart that this man had somebody defined compassion this way i love it he says your pain in my heart. This, this soldier uh, had 
had a heart for his servant, where he felt his servant's pain and went the suffering that he was going through. And he saw Jesus. He had heard about Jesus, which means he'd probably heard about the miracles. Already at this point in Jesus' earthly ministry, he's done several miracles that we have recorded leading up to this. And word gets around when someone has seen or witnessed this, uh, this miraculous work that Jesus was doing, the, the word would begin to spread all over about this, this great prophet of God who's doing these great things. And, and this soldier had heard about that. And so he, he wanted Jesus to help. He felt like Jesus was the one he could go to who could help his servant. Uh, but we also see what a humble man he was because he wasn't even wanting to go to Jesus himself in person. He felt like it would be, be presumptuous of him to do that. So he sent others on his behalf. And then if you read the rest of the story, as they get closer, Jesus is traveling with these Jewish elders. As they get closer to the house, uh, the centurion sends out some more friends to say to Jesus, uh, don't even come into my house. I, I'm not worthy to have you come into my house. And, and that's unusual, too, to have that kind of humility in the role that he was in. But he was humble enough to say to Jesus, I, I know uh, your reputation. I know how, how great you are, and I don't feel like I'm worthy for you to be in my house. Now, that was, uh, again, totally uh, out of character for a Roman soldier to look at any Jew that way. Uh, they ruled over the Jews. They saw the Jews as second-class citizens. And, and Jesus certainly is seen as a Jewish rabbi, a Jewish teacher at this time. And for him to have that respect from this Roman soldier is amazing. Well, he also said something else that I find really interesting. He said, Jesus, you could just say the words. You don't even have to enter the house. And I know my servant will be healed. And he used this analogy that I really like. He said, I'm a man of some authority. I give orders, and the people under my authority, under my command, will do what I tell them to do. I tell them to go to this place or that place or, or do something, they'll do it. And so what he's saying to Jesus is, what I know of you is this. You have great authority over things like sickness sickness or disease or, or, um, or health problems that people might be dealing with. The reputation was already there that Jesus could heal people. So he's saying to Jesus, I know you are a man of a authority greater than mine, and you can just speak the words, and my servant will be healed. And what I love about this story is it says that Jesus was amazed at the faith of this man. The title of this message was Jesus is a Friend of Believers. One of the things Jesus loves to find in people is faith in him and in his Father. He loves to see us having enough faith that we'll step out and put our trust in him uh, to be that God, that Savior, that Deliverer that only he could be. And here this centurion is, a man of some authority, but realizing Jesus in his mind has greater authority than him. He's ready to put his faith and his trust in Jesus. So he steps out, sends people there to Jesus on his behalf, requests his help, and says to Jesus, you don't even have to, to even come into my house. You don't have to see the servant in person. You don't have to touch him. You can just say the words. That's the authority I believe you have. I trust you, Jesus, to be able to do this for me. And Jesus is amazed at the faith of this centurion. Uh, when it says Jesus was amazed, Warren Wiersbe, who is a, a Bible commentator of some years back, 
He said only two times in Scripture it says Jesus was amazed. It was here in Capernaum. He's amazed at the faith of this Gentile centurion. And in Mark 6, he's in Nazareth, and he's amazed at the unbelief of the Jews. <laughs> what a contrast. The people who should have had a greater knowledge and awareness and faith in Jesus didn't. And the people who you think weren't connected to Jesus at this point were starting to already have a great faith that amazed Jesus when he found that faith. He said, I, uh, Jesus said, I, I'm amazed at what great faith I have found in this man. In fact, he said, it's greater than any faith I have found in anyone in Israel. So that tells us that friendship with Jesus involves this step of believing and not just believing the information, but believing in a way that the Scripture talks about, where our faith is put into action. So we closed with just a few lessons about faith from this story. Uh, the first lesson was this. Believing, even when you cannot see or prove the thing, is what faith is really all about. Hebrews 11.1 1 is a famous verse that defines faith this way. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Uh, there is plenty of evidence upon which to base our faith in Jesus, but there still has to be that step of faith because everything about Jesus cannot be absolutely proven in advance. Faith, we also saw uh, another lesson is this. It's a personal choice always. You can look at the same evidence I look at, and you can decide not to believe. I look at that evidence for Jesus being who he claims to be in Scripture, and I choose to believe that evidence is true and I put my faith in him. So it's always a choice. And you can choose not to believe in Jesus, even in spite of, in the face of, all the evidence we have for him. But a third lesson we looked at Sunday was this. Faith is always increased by action. I know many Christ followers who want to have greater faith, stronger faith. They'll even express it sometimes. I wish I had the faith of this person or that person. And I always want them to understand that that person didn't just all of a sudden wake up and have a great faith. Faith is developed over time, and it's developed by putting it into action, putting it into practice. Uh, you act on what you believe already, even if it's just a small amount of faith. Uh, that can be powerful. Jesus said even the faith of, uh, as big as a grain of a mustard seed, right, a tiny amount of faith, if you act on it, can do great things. But here's what happens. When you have enough faith to do what Jesus is calling you to do in any area of your life and you follow through and take the action, you will find on the other side of that that God is faithful and true. And that makes your faith stronger for the next thing that you're facing, the next thing that you're facing. Every time you step out in faith, every time you, you go to the edge of what's comfortable for you and take that next step trusting in God, it makes your faith stronger when you do that. And the last thing we looked at this past week is this. Faith is always rewarded by God. When you step out in faith in the name of Jesus, because of his teaching, because of his example, you choose to take those steps. God honors that and rewards that. Hebrews 11, verse 6, it tells us this. And without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. When you really believe that about God, then you're more willing to take that next step of faith. Well, this next week, we're going to be looking at another example of uh, what it means to be a friend of Jesus. And that the title is, Jesus is a friend of the hurting. 
no, no one can go through life in this world very long without facing pain, loss, some kind of suffering. In this world, Jesus said, we're going to have trouble. We're going to have challenges. Um, this world is under the curse of sin, and the effects of sin bring suffering. And so in this case, it's still uh, we're going along in Luke chapter 7 here. We're going to be picking up in verse 11 where Jesus faces a widow, uh, runs across his path with this widow whose only son has died. And she's grieving, and she's got friends around her, but, but she needs more. Uh, in that culture for uh, a widow, uh, she's already widowed, which is enough of a challenge in that culture, but her only son probably would have been the one she counted on and depended on the most to take care of her, uh, help her be able to survive in life. They didn't have programs like we have today here in America to help people that might be struggling, uh, you know, no government assistance or anything like that. None of that existed there. And so they depended on family, what family they had, to take care of each other. And with this lady, her only son would have been the greatest source of help for her. And so she's grieving the loss of her son. And I know sometimes when we're going through things like grief, it can easily cause us to doubt God's presence and God's power and God's provision for us. And we ask questions, and we should. You know, that's okay. God's big enough to handle that. We ask questions of God. But what we see in this account in Luke 7, I hope you'll join us this Sunday, is that Jesus really does have a heart for the grieving, for those that are hurting. And it may not be loss of a person like a family or a friend, there are other reasons you might be hurting as well. Don't think that we, uh, the Bible says clearly, we, we don't have a high priest who can't be touched by our feelings of struggle and loss and grief. But he's, but he's been tempted and tried in every way like we are himself. He knows how to help us as our high priest, as our, as our one who goes between us and the Father on our behalf. I hope you'll join us this Sunday because maybe you're going through something really hard right now and you're hurting. And I want you to know God's heart is with you and for you. The heart of Jesus understands what you're going through. And he wants to minister to you and bless you. And if you're not hurting right now, I'm sure you've got family or friends that might be going through something. Or maybe in the future, you're going to have to face some things that are going to be difficult. It'll be good to know you've got a friend like Jesus as you face those times. On Sundays, we have services here at the Antioch campus at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We have a 10 o'clock service at our Smyrna campus, and we live stream our services at 9 a.m. every Sunday morning. We hope you can be here in person, but if you can't be, then please connect with us on the live stream uh, as we continue this series, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Before we go today, very quickly, I got a couple of things I want to remind you of. This Saturday is our summer celebration out at Camp YI in Laverne. It's not too late. If you, if you want to come, go ahead and get registered. You can do that on our website at lakeshorechristian.com. Just click on that graphic that says Summer Celebration and go ahead and get signed up for that. Uh, it is going to be a fun time. Lots of fun activities going on from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. We'll close at 7 with a devotion time after we have dinner out there at the camp. So make plans to come and join us. Uh, Sunday, August the 20th, we've got a welcome lunch for those who might be new to Lakeshore. It'll be after the 11 o'clock service at the Antioch campus and after the 10 o'clock service at the Smyrna campus. We need you to register in advance and, and choose which lunch option that you want to have and also let us know if you need child care. 
We have a lot of new people attending at Lakeshore. We love seeing that. We love to get to know you better and have you have a chance to get to know us better. And that's a great time for that at the Welcome Lunch. Please be sure and sign up either at the kiosk in the lobby of either campus or, again, on our website. Just click on that graphic that says Welcome Lunch. And we have a baby dedication coming up on Sunday, August the 27th. We love to do this several times during the year. If you've had a new addition to your family, we love to celebrate that with you and have this time of dedicating yourself to raise up your children uh, under the teachings of God. And we want to help you with that. We want to come around you as your church family and be a support for that. So go ahead and sign up in advance if you'd like to have your baby dedicated on Sunday, August the 27th. We want to thank you for joining us today. We want you to be a a regular part of connecting online, but also if you're in the area, being with us in person as we continue to connect, grow, and serve here at Lakeshore Christian Church.